It's uh, a pretty grotty, horrible evening in Buenos Aires, but welcome anyway to Handle Pod. There's one significant advantage over last week, which is that we do have electricity this week, um, and light, and indeed wine. Uh, we're drinking Benjamin, whether it's named after Diego Maradona's grandson or not, we don't know. But it's fitting for an Argentine football podcast, anyway. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm here with English Dan. Hello. Australian Dan. Good evening. And once again, special guest Joel Richards. Hello. Um, where to start this week, gents? Really? We, we discussed it some length last week because we didn't have the computer in front of us to back us up, but now that we've got it again, we've become sloppy and haven't bothered to plan this, this episode at all. Um, I think we've got to start really with um, Tigre, the brilliant win over Newell's and a hat-trick for our, our favourite person, Charlie, Chinese Moon. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, really good performance. Was that, that was on Friday night, wasn't it? Was yeah. It Saturday afternoon. Yeah, this is after I was complaining a couple of weeks ago about um, no standout goal scorers in the, in the mm-hmm. tournament. And, uh, after Chino Luna had, had drawn level on, on seven, so but now he's he's scored that hat trick. Uh, I think he's a he's an avid listener of the pod, mm-hmm. and he decided to sort of put his foot down and. Well, I guess well, if he is listening to it, I'd very much like him to get in touch and tell us whether the third, the hatchet goal, was a fluke or not. Because mm-hmm. I'm fairly convinced he's just hoofing it back <laughs> into the mix. That's what I said. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I, I said that on Twitter and somebody tweeted me saying there's, there's no way that anybody would ever try an overhead kick like that just to put it back in the box. Two, two days later, the, the, first, the following day, Mario Gomez did it in the Champions League final <laughs> towards, towards the end of the game. But uh, to be fair, it was, um, it was a fantastically executed... Overhead kick. No, I think he did on purpose. My, um, Chino Luna is a great goal scorer, unlike yeah. Manuel Gomez. So <laughs> you have to like, yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt in those situations. So. And he actually, when you saw the replay, it didn't look too much like a miss hit as well. But either way, it was, uh, it was impressive. Yeah, no, no. And when you look at his body position, he, he is back to goal. So, you know, I, but I just think that there's, there's that element of doubt as to whether it's he's kind of diagonally on so there's just like I said, I'm just putting it out there but either way it was brilliant technique and more than anything it was, uh, it was a brilliant performance yeah. by him so I wouldn't begrudge him it no, if, no. It, if it was uh, a little bit of luck and a brilliant performance from Tigre as a team as well yeah, they were already, of course in, in the title race and they were playing Newell's old boys who went into the match as, as league leaders um, and are now second favourites uh, second sorry joint second in the table something over all kinds of phrases there um, along with Tigre themselves and Darsen Alde Sarandi who, who won on Monday night um, and more it was uh, Tigre yeah they, they're finally out of the direct relegation zone which is astounding yeah. four and, games ago and another win this weekend against Rafael will regardless of other results elsewhere will take them out of the relegation playoff places because they will meet for a yeah. if they if they beat them which I think is something you know we talked quite a bit at the start of the season about Tigre and we liked them in the Apertura and thought you know if they really really push on I did anyway that they could kind of get this uh, promotion place to play off but I don't think any of us in our wildest dreams would have said 
they'd be out of the, the playoffs. No, I, I famously wrote them off, and I'm not going to say that they, they can do it now because I feel like if I say that, they're going to plunge back down again. But, so, um, no, I'll still write them off and say that there's no way that they can stay with them. <laughs> there is a major bone. Taking use of the word famously to. There is a bone of contention, isn't there, from the game about. Um, Tigres central midfielder whose name is really escaped me but he should have been sent off should have oh, been yeah. sent off twice uh, uh, wouldn't be Martinez uh, Roman uh, Martinez. Uh, Martinez no it wasn't Roman Martinez this is why he was if one of the listeners Escobar did get yeah. sent off really later on didn't they well that was the thing that was making up um, for uh, not then, sending yeah. off the number four. oh come on Joe for, 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 frantically uh, plugging away on his iPhone uh, so trying to get this name it. before we finish the sentence so let's try and draw this out as much as possible um, but yeah the, in terms of the relegation place it's astonishing it's been helped by San Lorenzo not seeming to be boosted by the Caruso Lombardi factor at all um, on Saturday they played Union de Santa Fe yep. and were hanging on for a draw didn't really deserve to, to not win it in most people's opinions of what I read after the game I was myself and an Australian done and probably English done as well were on our ways to uh, Racing v Boca which we'll talk about a bit later um, I'm back in it Castaño and it was twice because there was well, there was one challenge when he went in very heavy handed mm. and then in the sort of the second phase of that play and that, that challenge he had his elbow really high up right in the face of one of the Newell's players and then there was another one later on which in itself was a direct red card um, mm. terrible lunge I mean he literally literally took the player and he was off, the, off the ground mm-hmm. so essentially he should have been red card and a yellow and um, and this was very early on in the game so there was a lot of um, you know although Escobar was sent off later uh, certainly Newell's felt very hard done by they should have been playing at least an hour against 10 men and as it was they played what two minutes against 10 men yeah and what was it that Gerardo Martino the Newell's boss after the game said uh, something like if you if you don't complain then people say that you're a, a boludo an idiot if you do complain then they say you're a, a shoron like a crybaby um, and he, he sort of said maybe it would be better to be a shoron in this this particular <laughs> moment and then shut up I think Russo Lombardi the, the San Lorenzo coach a few weeks ago was talking about conspiracy theories and stuff about Tigre because they have uh, some kind of political influence in there yeah they have of course uh, what's his name there? Massa Massa yeah. has the what is he president or just he's well he's the local governor isn't he in, uh, in, 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 in the club itself I don't know if he has a, an actual role I think since he took on a more okay. took on the, the governor of, of Tigre I don't know if he's uh, if he's still in the club but the point is that he's uh, you know obviously extremely influential politically connected yeah, yeah. No. Um, but I think I, I got the real insight from uh, from San Lorenzo's point of view yesterday when I went went to see um a guy in my neighbourhood who was used to play for Boca in the 70s and I think hey, he's a lovely guy but he's one of these guys who will chew your ear off about everything to do with football I can never remember his surname Carlos something but he was a world champion with Boca in the 1970s and apparently the, the situation with San Lorenzo it was all to do with the fight Caruso had because the fact was because he um, was backing off because he looked a bit nervous that obviously went down to the team and San Lorenzo and you know it made them more cowan you know if he kind of really stood up and threw a few punches and they would have been inspired for the whole season right. so I think 
more you, you need to tap into those those lines, those contacts a little bit more. Definitely, yeah. like yeah. a better insight. Yeah. Yeah. A better insight than that, I don't think is possible. <laughs> I get him on the pod if he speaks yeah. English. He does. I'm sorry. He <laughs> I'll get him the crash course and at least get him in like, <laughs> for, the next, for next season. Right. Right. Um, but I think it might be more to it. What I spoke about when. <laughs> I, I think you're wrong. I think you're discounting this expert analysis. Well, I, uh, something that I probably did get right was well, what I think is that uh, Carissa Lombardi is a bit of a media creation here. Um, they talk about him as this guy that can save any team from relegation kind of thing, but um, in reality, I don't think he's a very good coach at all. Well, he, he himself said, and, and the stats kind of bear up, that only Chelsea were better than his TV a couple of years ago when they were promoted. Okay. <laughs> they, they had a wonderful... But this was in the third division. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that, that is the, the, the level that he, he, was, he was referring to there. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the images from uh, the, the video that was leaked from the San Lorenzo dressing room at the weekend after their defeat to Union was, right. was uh, yeah. uh, pretty pretty sobering stuff really. Yeah, he he said afterwards that he doesn't think it should have been leaked in that way that it was heavily edited and that everybody else in the dressing room was acting just the same as he did yeah I don't think uh, that's the, I don't think that's the problem I think the problem is that it was leaked in the first place yeah. I mean, the whole th- I mean that, that's the problem because how the, you know, the fans how are they going to go to games thinking that they've you know, got four games left They've got absolutely win all the points available, and uh, you know, see, have you seen this this video of the the goalkeeper? Whether it's him, yeah. only him, or more, it's irrelevant. You know that the yeah, atmosphere. Portugal was clearly... supposedly fighting with teammates. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a, a possibility now, a distinct possibility of a River San Lorenzo playoff mm. for relegation. I mean, obviously, lots of things can change, but I mean, at the moment, it's a possibility, which would yeah. be enormous and terrifying at the same time. Well, what, what's, as we're on the conspiracy theories, there's an amazing one today by, not even here, by, uh, by Juan Pablo uh, Basqui, very respected columnist at the uh, La Nación and well, you know, everywhere pretty much, but he was on his, on his radio program this morning. There are there's allegedly a recording of a San Lorenzo board member telling River Plate fans on the way to on the flight to for the Copa Argentina game between River and San Lorenzo, telling River Plate fans that it's arreglado, so arranged, the that San Lorenzo will play Instituto in the promoción in the rele, in the promotional relegation playoff. Apparently, there's a recording. Mm-hmm. Again, this is all alleged. Although Varsky says he's happy to go to the the courts and and testify if need be. So he's obviously very confident that this recording exists. Mm-hmm. But, but again, it's just an, a huge conspiracy theory that that because of the four games left in the in the second division, mm-hmm. so to, to plan that yeah, yeah. already. And, and also this, you know, it kind of harmed Juan Pablo Varsky's uh, Twitter follower account. Which can only mean that he can push his sponsored tweets. <laughs> There's only yeah, so much you can say. For, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty pretty serious uh, allegations, and uh, but sure, I mean it's uh, it's explosive stuff. Mm. But you know, this is the thing with these conspiracy theories. Last year, everyone said that River Plate were being saved. But uh, I mean, arranged mm-hmm. to what to what end? Uh, in that they're going to play just, them, and they're going to. It's arranged that, that it will be San Lorenzo Instituto okay. in the in the playoff to give an advantage to. Well, it means Central and River Plate are going up. All going up. Yeah. Immediately, oh, I see. and then obviously it'll be. It, well, at this stage, it looks like it'll be Kilmas, the other yeah. um, promotion spot. I guess that means that uh, Caruso won't have to go out to Kilmas and that kind of thing. Like, is that part of it? Yeah. Exactly. That's a hell of a thing. You know, that's a very complex little bit of arrangement there. Oh, exactly. You need to control. Well, I don't know how many games you need to yeah. control for, to make that happen. But I mean, the result, a week at least. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. So, um, but as I said, it's out there. It's being discussed. Yeah. It's being argued about. So, uh, what's this space? I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm guessing we should probably go quickly through kind of how they're looking at the bottom. 
Yeah, I was about to say that one of the the teams very much uh, uh, you hesitate to even say in the relegation battle now because they've all but dropped out, and if they hadn't won. You got someone else here, Dan? There appears to be a ghost or something in Dan's bathroom. You're very loud. Uh, please excuse the background noise, we've no idea what that is. What's that like? My shower just occasionally decides to start pouring water up. Excellent. <laughs> Usually about two hours after I've had a shower. So. Right. So at least we know you're clean then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, as I was saying before we were so spectacularly interrupted, um, the the team who, who would have been relegated had they not won on Saturday and who prior to Saturday had gone 11 matches without a win, uh, somewhat hilariously overturned Independiente 2-1, Olimpo Bahia Blanca, which means that they now still have a chance of remaining a Primera División side. All they've got to do is win all four of their remaining matches. Um, the first one is against I think San Martín this weekend, right? And San Martín are the other team in the yeah. automatic relegation spots. Yeah, away to away to San Martín. Yeah. Um, then it's San Lorenzo in the lower of the two relegation playoff places. Tigre in the upper of those two, above San Lorenzo for the first time this season at the end of play for for the weekend. Um, Atlético Rafaela just above them, and as I've already mentioned, Tigre visit Rafaela this coming uh, Saturday. Yeah. And then just above we have Banfield and Racing. Are you starting to get nervous about Racing? Because I'm getting intensely nervous. I'm not intensely nervous. have a, what is it now, a four-point advantage over Tigre? Yeah. Uh, as, as two of the teams who've been in for, for all three seasons. And I, I was mentioning a few times earlier in the season that if Racing's poor form continued, they, they could get set down. But it didn't really look like happening now. Tigre win and Banfield lose next next week and that, that gap's close to just one point. And then if, if Racing don't get a result, then they're going to be panicking as well. Yes, <laughs> I can't really say much more than that. I mean, I'm sure we'll move on in a little bit to talk about the weekend's results. But definitely, um, coming back from Boca on Sunday, you know, you, I was talking to a few of the guys, and definitely um, the feeling is that relegation isn't out of the question yet. The promotion's still there; it's kind of the spectre is there, and it's going to be hard because you've seen the last two games, especially uh, Racing have offered very little and gone down to two defeats. So I think this week going away to Belgrano, which is going to be a very tough match, and there's yeah four four very tough matches, and there's not too many Racing fans you can see. You'd say kind of with two wins they'd be absolutely safe, but you wouldn't find too many Racing fans who'd bet on two wins out of these last four games. Absolutely, it, it kind of potentially throws the last couple of stages of the Copa Argentina into some disarray as well because we were talking before about how Racing were arguably favourites because they didn't have anything else to play for whereas Boca still at the Libertadores in the title race River are fighting for promotion still whoever else comes through the semi is going to have something to play for um, and all of a sudden Racing now are going to have to concentrate on the league as well so we could have four semi-finalists who are all going to be for, for various reasons playing essentially reserve teams in the semis which really helps that competition get off to a cracking mm. start that's, that's more or less how it's been already hasn't it I mean, yeah sure but I was thinking that at this stage of the competition at least for the last couple of games they're putting more, more first teamers mm. and that kind of thing um, and, and you would have thought that by the semi-finals the teams left in were going to be River have been playing with taking more pretty much the first team sure but against San Lorenzo no, they, they played with a load of reserves in the earlier rounds they played with did San Lorenzo play with no no San Lorenzo put out Palomino or somebody and no I thought I'd seen one of the teams playing with a full lineup, which Surprised me somewhat, but mm. maybe I imagine mm. that. Um, Boca Juniors reserves played with the full lineup in, in their quarter final <laughs> in a week and a half's time. Um, the reserves were good enough to beat Racing. 
Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, shall we talk about that game now? No. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get out of the way. Yeah. Looking at English Dan's face at the moment. <laughs> um, Racing hosted Boca Juniors. Uh, Boca needed a win to, to return to what they feel is their rightful place, of course, at the top of the, the first division. Um, and put out a, a reserve team which included two of the first. It was sort of a mixed team, yeah. There was, uh, was like three guys. There was four first teams, I think. Yeah. Four, four, okay, yeah, Malche, coming back from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even realise was going to be in the match squad uh, heading down there. He s- scored a cracker about what seven minutes into the second half after yeah. coming on at half time. And Dan and I were both looking at each other. And no, I knew he was on the bench, but I didn't. I didn't actually hadn't realised that he'd come on at all. I didn't hadn't even noticed him. But mm. and he scored a spectacular goal, and yeah. goal of the season. It was Wonderful. a beautiful goal, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. Uh, back heeled over the the head of his marker to sort of take it just from the channel out into the the middle of the goal, and then a nice half volley. It was like a. Dennis Bergkamp goal against Newcastle it was almost identical yeah. 500 <laughs> times better maybe <laughs> at least um, he, he said he said after the game I thought that these things only happened to my team <laughs> which is yeah. possibly the most bocker centric line you could possibly have come out with in the context but it was certainly it was a really nice goal as was the second one which was who Sanchez Mino Blandi Blandi, Blandi from um, and, and again another outstanding game from Malche mm. uh, who, who set up the Blandi goal and no, yeah, I mean, Mark is playing really well, and he's been linked with uh, lately. He's been linked with uh, America from Mexico, yeah. Um, as well as Catania, I think is one of the offers. Or yeah, offers, but speculation has been yeah. So anyway, for a while. I, don't, I don't know if we said it, but the match ended up two uh, nil. It was it was nil at, nil all at half time, and I'd say Racing had the. You say yeah, Racing played a, a pretty decent first. They half, had possession at least. Yeah. Like, they didn't seem to be able to. There wasn't much penetration. No, wasn't much didn't penetration. Break, break Boca down yeah. at all, but. Uh, it was it was nil at half time and then and then uh, Biaggi with that spectacular goal and another one a few minutes later so it was quite comfortable for Boca in the end. Yeah, um, Gio Moreno for Racing was starting slightly surprisingly for the first time in a while. He's he's been on the bench for the last few matches and really struggled to come into it again. Um, every time I've seen him lately, you almost get the sense that. That, as we've said several times, probably on the pod, that he's been worked out. That teams know that if they get in tight to him, um, it's not going to happen. And the reason I mention it is because we've got uh, this ridiculous Fox Sports uh, radio program on the television on mute. Um, I always wonder about the value of having a radio show on mute. But, um, Especially when it's on the TV. They broadcast from the radio studio. They, they <laughs> show it on the TV as well. Um, Surely a radio is just off. Yeah. I think a lot of people listen to Hannapod on mute as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we don't get too much criticism. Um, but before we started recording, we, we had the sound on and they were talking about Gio Moreno being threatened by the Barra Brava yeah. for harassing just today. And, um, Get a gun. Yeah, yeah. It um, sounds like Joel's read up a little bit more than us because we've just seen the news coming through. Joel's been beavering away on his iPhone. I've been trying to find out. Yeah, exactly. It's, it but sounds it's pretty it's pretty hair raising yeah, stuff. And it sounds like there yeah. was a, a gun put to Giovanni Moreno's knee by the Barabara on the way out of the stadium, and and they said that uh, they said that they would ruin his career and. Shoot him! If, but it's uh, the idea that they wanted to leave. They wanted to play better. Or it's the idea is that they wanted to leave by the looks of it. But it's not particularly good business for Racing to have him rushed out, no. playing poorly, 
I mean, I mean, not so long ago there, were, there was talk of a 10 million move to Brazil for mm-hmm. Gil Moreno. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, and Racing, no doubt that there's no club that couldn't do with a, a decent injection of cash for one of their players. Uh, what's the percentage they have on him? Is it 40? It's something. It I don't know if it's even that. Maybe right. 37.5, something right. like that. Yeah. Right. So you know, they need they need a, a decent wage of money yeah. for for him so that they in turn get, yeah. get, get a return on him but don't need to be hurrying him out the back door because he's Ex- been threatened by the ladder exactly, exactly. basically yeah and no it's a funny I think it's it a funny um, occurrence like. yeah it makes you really wonder about the apart from the you know dishonest or whatever and the ridiculous yeah. of, of these guys threatening him you really wonder about their motivation like what, yeah. what do they want like. I mean I was going to say just say kind of come back to events in the field just for a second it was just a really bitter irony for, I think for Racing fans that you know, uh, Gilles was probably the star of the 2010 Apertura, if everyone's got that long a memory, before he got injured. And since he's come back, he's shown very little. So there's definitely like this bitter irony that Viatti comes back from exactly the same injury, a cruciate ligament injury. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes into his comeback against Racing, he's smacking in um, a beautiful goal. And after the game as well, he's it's just Racing, like. <laughs> and after the game, he, he gave Viatti a hug and said congratulations yeah. and, and swapped shirts with him, which apparently there's no doubt. He was like, just come on, a lovely, lovely guy. You know, like I don't think anyone said a cross word about him in all his time in Argentina, and there's a lot of cross words that go around this league. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's a little bit too nice I don't know if he's really got that fight that other players have you know when he gets, starts to get muscled off the ball and you know, just um, maybe he's a little bit which nobody would accuse like uh, Biatri of being too nice no especially not the jewellery <laughs> hairdresser was it a hairdresser oh, yeah that's it uh, every time yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. he's, well, right. he's a very tricky customer whoever it was um <laughs> <laughs> it would be remiss of us not to mention Colombians in trouble and links to racing <laughs> without at least a passing mention of the ultimate uh, example of of the term the, this term that we introduced you to a few weeks ago when Seba was still here um, the, the moron the idiot the person with a flask for a head um, Teo Gutierrez has, has now first of all last week decided to bugger off on holiday to Colombia um, without stopping to find whether the AFA were going to let him play the rest of the league season for Lanús told Lanús um, oh I've been called out by the national team so I've, I've got to go back to Colombia he hadn't been called out by the national team <laughs> um, and he was at a game in uh, Medellín was it at the weekend yeah. was photographed wearing a River Plate shirt um, he's, he was a stated supporter of River Plate even before he moved to Racing we, we've spoken about that before and in fact Seba tweeted a few of us yesterday and says that he thinks that it's probably an old photograph but it's no, it's a, I, mean, um, I, I think it's pretty clear that it was this weekend kind of thing. he's wearing an old he's wearing a 1986 yeah. vintage really which is quite nice but yeah um, I guess the, the more serious thing is that he's he basically left Landos and so his contract was terminated with them so there's not obviously if there was any chance of him sticking around with them next year or whatever that's gone so I love the excuse though the excuse is just fantastic to think that they're not going to find out that he wasn't called up for the national yeah. team of Colombia <laughs> for a World Cup qualifier for a World Cup qualifier it's just it's, it's astonishing but I mean, hats off yeah. to Tio but um, well, unless he thought he just assumed he was going to get called up like maybe that was <laughs> yeah, it yeah. There is that, so I think that. he did leave actually before the squad was announced so I'm guessing that, yeah. Hey, I'm going to get you called up. I might as well go daily, day early. You wouldn't get that kind of presumptuousness past him, would you? No, not at all. What, well, far from Either assuming it or inventing it, you wouldn't get it past him, like, yeah. either way. He probably sees himself ahead of Falcao in the 
in the Colombian team. Oh well, yeah, like how was he ever done that? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, no. We've we've talked plenty about Racing's failures in this match, but I think it, we should probably give some time as well to the victors in the game. Boca, who proved that their their reserve side is good enough to to go out and win games. Um, very useful inclusion as well back into the attack now a, a crucial part of the season in, in Beatri's uh, return an immediate return to goal scoring form um, and they're top of the table albeit only by a single point ahead of Arsenal, Newells and Tigre all, all in the chasing pack but I've just got one question like, where does this leave um, Santiago Silva but, because wasn't the reason that he could be registered for the league that Fiatri was out for so long? Yeah, was injured at the end of the Apertura. Yeah. Um, the out and out number nine centre forward, of course. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is. We had to replace. Yeah. 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 No, I think <laughs> Silva is quite. Uh, I mean, he's supposed to be playing against uh, Fluminense tomorrow as yeah. a starter, and they're debating whether it's going to be Malche or Svitanich to support him. Mm-hmm. It seems obvious you would. You should go for Malche at this stage with the amazing form that he has. I don't know why Svitanich is being talked about as. Do we do we think that Boca can? successfully defend the, well, the title it's not I, something that any I side I was talking about it with Dan the other day mm. at a nice uh, brunch in Chacarita that we had um, that I, I, I don't know why they went with this reserve team to Russing like that's pretty unless they, unless they have absolutely no respect for Russing whatsoever <laughs> it's and, very likely like, I wouldn't like, just blame them for not decided that they're going to easily beat Russing with their reserve team but like well they played at the Liber- the first team played the Libertadores on Thursday night yeah um, um but and they've got the second leg immediately the week yeah. after. It's not like they've got a two-week break in between legs. So they, they played a little bit worse at home, and then yeah. like you'd think Sunday they could at least put you know two thirds of their, their first team in. If a couple of guys need a rest, give them a rest. No, to be honest, I think they made the right decision. I mean, it looks much more the right decision now because they yeah, won, but after they even won. before the game, like you they still went out with four first teamers, and now. <clears throat> They got that win, all the other guys, you know. Well, yeah, no. They got a lot of people, you know. You're talking about Riquelme, who's 33, Ischiavi, 38, Riti, 31. You know, there's a lot of old tight legs. So, mostly he's got to be the wrong side of 30. Like, this isn't a young team we're talking about that necessarily can play two games a week, plus the trip, plus this kind of thing. Like, I think he did. He was absolutely spot on. Well, yeah, it, look, it does look like genius now, but, <laughs> I mean... Uh, Racing had, had quite a, even under under Zubalia they had him lost at home like he, he'd been losing away but not at home so you, and you know, it was like, we were all there it was an amazing atmosphere uh, you know like Racing is uh, it's still a classico so mm-hmm. even though Racing are not doing so well at the moment but I think the thing is uh, one of the things is that the Boca Reserve Boca the by far and away oh, yeah, the, best, the, the best squad, squad. Yep. so you know on one hand we say well the reserves but but really the, some of the, you look at some of the players at, at Boca I mean particularly this guy everyone's talking about now Sanchez Mignon who's um, a real prospect a fantastic player and he can't get in the team because he's got Clemente left back or even he's the, got Herbiti yeah, even the other guys who came into midfield yeah, were yeah. really good yeah, yeah um, sure Herbiz has been excellent um, been Herbiz, very you know this is a player who's played at least 20, 30 first team games out. yeah it's exactly Exactly. So I think. Um, so basically, he decided he thinks that his his reserve team is good enough. Was good enough. To I think that was a decision. I think that was a thinking. If he didn't think the reserve team were good enough, he wouldn't have risked going in and getting his getting pasted by Racing their classic. So yeah, basically, it was, that's the question: whether the Boca are taking the league, how, how seriously they're taking the league, because obviously well, they're. The other thing is is, is that it, this is Boca in the Libertadores, and uh, yeah, obviously that, that's the number one priority. But yeah, you know, but it's not even you know it's it's the, the number one priority for Vélez as well as the number one priority for any side that's in it. But with exactly. Boca, it's, it's the same as uh, what would you say like Liverpool in the European Cup or whatever. Like, that's like yeah. the 
it's almost more important than the domestic league. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it is more important yeah, than yeah, the domestic league. Yeah. To, to a far greater extent than other clubs, they, they identify with continental success. No, I just say it's slightly strange to me that with your like, two, two points off the top of the table with a chance to, mm-hmm. open, to, to go first in the table with four games left in the league, um, or five games left, and you know, you're putting out a reserve team. But yeah, I guess as we discussed, he probably decided it was good enough and, and he was right. I think uh, Falcione is extremely pragmatic and extremely <coughs> ambitious. Yeah. Mm. And I think he's very aware of that because he's had a, a huge amount of uh, criticism and he's had a very difficult time in the in the media um, at Boca for, for not playing anywhere near the kind of football that they should be, given that they have uh, Raquel on the side. And, and I remember having a conversation here with, with you guys that we were talking about the fact that they weren't rotating the, the team very much at one stage and I was saying that mm. maybe they needed to start you know, they're going to get burnout and what have you and now all of a sudden they have I very much wonder whether it's Falcioni knows is, is planning this he knows what he's, what he's doing and he has the confidence in the players like uh, Erebus Fajimini mm-hmm. or Blandi and he knows that they'll be good enough for for what is pretty poor um, competition out there in terms of the other teams True. competing for, for the league so I, I wonder whether it's it's been part of the master the, you know, the, the bigger picture for for Boca given that as I said Falcioni is, is thinking that you know, with a bit of luck if things go his way they could do a, a, a first ever treble mm. mm-hmm. yeah. it would even be the first ever double because one of the other points I was making you say that that the need to rotate or whatever is, is exaggerated between Liga Libertadores and whatnot. Um, but no sides won the clubs all around the Libertadores at the same time mm-hmm. so even if they were to just win those and if they were somehow to to not get the Copa Argentina which I think they're probably narrow favourites for at this point they could probably live with um, you know that, that would still be oh, yeah, yeah, amazing uh, it was interesting that Macri the ex-Boca president <coughs> current BA Buenos Aires mayor city mayor said um, said that the, the, they probably should be focusing on the national uh, the, the Argentine <coughs> league and he said they're probably not strong enough to, to challenge for the Copa Libertadores and it's interesting because Macri's candidate for the presidency who won Daniel Angelisi said exactly the same thing about two months ago. Yeah. And it's interesting that from sort of the, the upper levels of the organisation at Boca, even though Macri's not at the club, he is, um, it's interesting that they're taking this line that Boca needs to focus on, on winning the league and not the Libertadores. It's, it's a strange... It's, uh, it's this picking it's not, up of the... It's not something I agree with either. Like, I no, think no, no, Boca no. definitely got... Yeah, they've got a team and they've got the squad to win that. Yeah, league, but the thing is... No, with no the, we saw like what happened with Bellas last year in the Copa Libertadores. It just takes yeah, one missed penalty, something you know, like half a, half a bad game, and you're out of the Copa Libertadores. Yeah. Whereas with the league, you know, yeah. uh, Boca clearly have probably the best side in the league. So all they have to do is play to their potential mm-hmm. and they win the league, or concentrate on the league, mm-hmm. and then win it. Then Whereas think, yeah. you can still be the best team in the Libertadores and get knocked mm-hmm. out by anybody. Yeah, so. but I think the thing Boca have more than anything in the Libertadores is that you know that probably if they put their minds to it and. And going, going tight, which hopefully we'll see tomorrow. Otherwise, I'm going to look very silly. They can keep a clean sheet, like against probably the best in South America. They can go out and and keep a clean sheet. I think with the defence they've got and the discipline they've got, and that's definitely you know over two legs, two legs which are always really difficult. Like they decided by a couple of goals, it's going to be that's a really big plus for them. And I think we'll probably see that in Brazil tomorrow. Like just how mm. strong they are at the back. I've, I've uh, I'm, I'm going to say this with more than slightly tongue-in-cheek but I'm just wondering whether Macri's picking up of the local league has anything to do with the fact that he's uh, getting his 2015 presidential campaign underway already a few of the posters are going up around the place for Macri's version of Peronism which uh, 
to anybody who lives in Argentina will seem fairly laughable, especially if you live in the city of Buenos Aires. Um, but there's some big rally that he's getting together in, in La Plata or somewhere fairly soon. So I wonder whether that's got anything to do with it. Yeah. Big up the local population and right. fuck the rest of South America. As it were. <laughs> Controversial. Now, yeah. I'm not going to comment on that. You're going to have to uh, add up language on the, on the podcast. <laughs> I think so. I am. I'm, I'm very sorry if anybody was offended by that. Um, <laughs> sort of. Uh, we, we've talked then so far about first two of the joint second teams. Um, the other one, of course, is Arsenal, who beat. Lenos. Thank you. 3 1 um, last night in Saran Leon's record on Monday night. Um, fully deserved. Yeah, and the team we always would prefer to sort of ignore because. We've, we've talked about it before. They, you know, very much Grandona's team, and and they don't really have any supporters, and they've got a pathetic little stadium and stuff. But like, once again, they're playing really well, <laughs> and then they're in the title race, so we can't really. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stand up for them because I did a story with us, and I, uh, and I interviewed um, Gustavo Alfaro, who's the the, co- the coach, and I asked him about exactly this because he had a massive uh, showdown with Ole, the, the Sports Daily here in Argentina, and he actually wrote them a letter, an open letter to them after they were extremely critical about this. And so I asked him about this, and and you're right. I mean, it's it's not easy for them. You know, as you said, they're founded by the Grandona family. It's very small stadiums, very small following, what have you. But that also plays against them. And there's also this constant shadow over the club that they're getting all these favours. And I'm not so sure that it but is always the case. They, they have had, they have, yeah, of course there are several cases where they have had things going, going their way. But by the same token, you can say that for every single club, because if, if one club is... Uh, yeah, is, but that's, that's just sort of perspective of the fans or whatever, but how does that play against, against them as a team? If, no, there's, there's as no a, pressure as on that. As, as a club, as an institution, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, your, your argument is that they haven't got many fans, so they don't matter. No, I'm just saying that they. I don't see how this. I don't, I don't see his argument how that how that's a disadvantage for them. Well, the way I see it, because, yeah, because they've because got such a bad name, like players don't want to go there, and you know people. Yeah, I can see it in that sense. There's no budget. Like yeah. The club has no budget whatsoever. I mean, they can't attract any players. No. Most of the players are either on loan. They have to work very hard in the youth team yeah. to that's bring players through. Fair and, yeah, and we've talked about before how they 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 really are quite a nice team. Like the players yeah. that they've got, um, especially like yeah, central defensive pairing is a very good one. This Carbonero. Mm. has been yeah. one of the players of the tournament for me he's been fantastic the Colombian he's, he's on loan from Mestiriantes I think yeah. isn't he? he's going back at the end of the season but he's he was brilliant the other night uh, he, last night he got he was one of the three assists in the end wasn't he uh, at least two uh, he was involved well, in no, he, 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 he missed his shot the yeah, that's first right. one and then the, the other two were deliberate assists <laughs> let's say yeah. um, he was he was key to them really yeah. um and yeah, Lisandro Lopez, who we've spoken about before, no, no relation at all to the player you're all thinking of. Um, and also, of course, well, like, scores was many goals. Yeah. Probably the, one of the signings of the season, definitely, I think he came in from Catania, I believe. He was, uh, he was there online. Do you want to repeat the name again, now, just in case I was talking over you for the. Uh, Guillermo Berdisa. He's Nicolas Berdisa's Nicolas brother. Yeah. brother yeah. He was at Roma. Roma, of course, yeah, yeah. He went to Roma, yeah. Um, well, I don't know if he was on loan at Roma, then went to back, back to Central, and then went back on loan to uh, Arsenal. I'm not entirely sure of the intricacies of that deal, but it's academic anyway. He's on loan at Arsenal and mm-hmm. playing fantastically. And so, yeah, very, very astute piece of um, piece of dealing there. Do you think they can win the league? 
I think there'll be an uproar if they did, <laughs> because of these reasons. Yeah. But, and, and that was all I was throwing out there. That that it's that is an excellent uh, coach. Mm-hmm. He also knows. He also is very good at working with the media, and he does a lot of media work, in fact, during World Cups and Copa Medicas. So, um, you know, there, there is a, an, an element of that. But um, all I was getting at is that, you know, with, with very few resources, they've done a good job. Yeah, Plus the fact that the whole of the public opinion is against them. Whether they can do, I think they can win the title, but if they do, again, I think there'll be a... I don't know about that, probably, because <laughs> when they, they won the sort of, sort of Americana and basically nobody noticed, it was... Well, <laughs> well that was what the argument that Alfaro had with Ole was about, like, three years later, right. four years later. They were still arguing about that, that sort of Americana. <laughs> it was as if it didn't happen, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, but as you said, they've, they've organised well, they've, they've signed well, and I think, just, you know, going back, it's it, Alfaro's a good coach who's done a, an excellent job at a club where you know every, they've got everything against them I'd, I'd like to move on now and discuss the team just below these these three in the orders uh, of the top five they're certainly of the potential champions the funniest let's say if they were actually to win the league it would be <laughs> hilarious um, all boys uh, they're, they're doing how many points are well, they they're on 27, so they're two points behind Boca mm. um, at the top, just one behind Tigre House and Alan mm. Newells uh, after a 1-0 win, 2-0 win against... Krasnodar, isn't it? This is where remember. we feel very silly for not having the computer, but this we've just got the... No, 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 no,
if, if they win the championship I'm going to try and contact the guy who uploaded it and ask him whether I can use that in place of the Hunter Pod theme tune just for more that is one of the greatest fan chants in Argentinian football yeah. and there's quite a few versions of it on YouTube as well there's like yeah. a boy band version and a, and a right. <laughs> orchestra version yeah yes, it's a great chant good um what else to talk about, guys? Um, I'm going to just throw in something I just saw on, on Twitter, which is that apparently Passarella has also been uh, threatened with guns at gunpoint. Today? Yep, this afternoon. That just well, came up on... Yeah, it just, it just came up on... Uh, on so, River Plate president, obviously, 1978 World Cup winning captain uh, for Argentina, uh, Daniel Passarella, um, yeah, stopped by the River Plate bada 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 at, at gunpoint, so... Astonishingly, I still now sometimes get messages from people who read stuff or who <coughs> see what we tweet on Twitter and whatnot and get told that I uh, am too negative about the Barabarab and that they're just really passionate fans and that it's what gives the atmosphere to the Argentine game. Um, I can only assume, if, if you're one of those people and you're listening to this episode, <laughs> don't be idiots. <laughs> Come on. Um, the, the the river threats presumably not link, uh, linked. In fact, to the the fact that River failed to win at the weekend, and therefore once again it was the worst thing that had ever happened in any of the lives of everybody in the stadium and uh, all of the press. Um, a what equalised with about ninety seconds to play from Guillermo Brown, who's a, a team, not a person, of Puerto Madryn, to make it two two in a match that River were. A expected to win beforehand, and also dominating. Well, yeah, so far I mean, com- yeah. completely uh, dominated. And poor um, Chori Dominguez is getting an awful lot of hell about it because he, it was sort of um, River attacking down the other end, and he kind of this is about seventy meters from the River goal. Um, he sort of let it pass, go through, and spun around, you know, Pele style, like, uh, <laughs> but it went straight to a Guillermo Brown player, and then it sort of up the other end of the field, and they scored. So. He's getting blamed for that, even though it happened about yeah. seven meters from his angle. Yeah, I think it's very harsh on Trudy Domingo because he's he's just uh, he's this difficult person at River Plate because he's been when when they signed Trezeguet before they tried to sign Trezeguet it was very simple. He had Trudy uh, Domingo's and Fernando Cabanagi up front, and then they just played four four two. They brought Trezeguet, and all of a sudden it was fitting the three of them in, and all yeah. three of them have to play. And Trudy Domingo's was on the bench, and you're right. Since then, since he let the Gave up the ball um, late on. He was he was blamed for this, but it's impossible to to blame him for that. One thing about that River Plate side was that they had, they had five strikers on on the field in the last. And this is the thing that they had to possibly be slightly generous to Rogelio for this Mori there, Joel. But I'll leave that one, that one to you. But yeah, but yeah, I mean they had Funes Mori. The well, they had the two of them on, but and so the brother up from uh, Trezeguet, Chori Kanagi, and Kevin Bishalva. And, and Los Campos was on. Yeah, Los Campos had gone off. Okay. But, but but I mean five out and out strikers, um, and and there was just no one in midfield. So this is the thing. Trolley gave the gave the ball away in very commas. But you know, yeah. the counter attack, there was just, there was no one between right. that line of five and then yeah. and then the back line of three. Mm-hmm. So and Trolley Domingos, it's just ridiculous that fans are giving him grief. Uh, not just for this game, but for the last few weeks as well, because for whatever reason they think that he's not trying hard enough or he's not playing well enough. But there's a guy who, you know, he's La Liga, Spanish La Liga level, and he's playing Nacional B for River. Yeah. And he's come back and taken a pay cut, whatever he's done. And yeah. Just for fans to complain about anything he does is just <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, 
Don Jan got all chokes up there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was trying to think, um, Fernando Cabanaki as well, as they were leaving the pitch, had a bottle thrown out from the stands, yeah. and he's, he was in the papers today saying, well, it can't have been a River fan. You sometimes, you know, like, the implication being obviously it's somebody who claims to be a River fan, but he doesn't consider those people. Um, to be supporters, um, it's, it's a massive issue in River Plate at the moment. The um, this issue of uh, yesterday, Matias Almeida spoke at the press conference and he said, you know, that there are people who don't want River Plate to, to go up, people who don't want River Plate to win, and you know, there's some pretty, pretty serious political problems at the club, uh, a lot of different interests, and and obviously mentioned Passarella a few moments ago. Um, you know, it's all centers centers around him, but. Uh, but he said, you know, the players bring this issue up, the politics at the club, the coach does exactly the same. You know, it's a very difficult situation when, you know, essentially they have to go up this, this year, otherwise um, the scenes will be uh, well, considered that, that really much, much more, again. yeah, exactly, much more serious than, than last year when they went down. Hmm. Um, and the, the reason that it was such a, a hard failure to win to take for River is that it, uh, Rosario Central, in a match that kicked off at 11 o'clock that morning um, on Saturday had beaten Atletico Tucumán 2-0 um, which means that now River are two points behind Central who are top of the table and the Instituto are level on points with River because they won on Sunday yeah. um, and now the coming weekend we've got Central yeah. against River so if River lose that it's going to be incredible at the end of the season in, in Rosario one of the most yeah hostile atmospheres yeah. of any Argentine football stadium which as anybody who's seen a game here will know is saying something um, by the same token if they, if they win they're basically up mm. yeah that, that is also the, you know, the other the other side and, and you know, the draw you know we kind of carry this on for another couple of weeks but uh, you know. yeah there are four games to go now uh, we should clarify so I, I, don't know if you could, no, I don't know if you could say if they win they're up and they'll be one point ahead of Central and level with Instituto if they win with three games left Sure, but they're yeah. going to take in terms of rivers, uh, the atmosphere at River Plate, uh, their, their yeah. own points. They would basically guarantee. Right. I mean, after they've got Boca Unidos, Almirante yeah. Brown last day of the season. Yeah. I'm not sure who the, like, the other one is, but yeah, essentially, if, if they win that, that how that would change the, the morale of the club? Be, uh, yeah, I think that would be, that would be it. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? As it stands at the moment, if if Central were to, to remain in first and River and Instituto match each other's results until the end of the season we're going to have to have a playoff to decide who goes up straight away and who goes into the other playoff, the <laughs> playoff uh, because goal difference doesn't come into it in Argentina if the position affects well, the well, presumably that's all been arranged anyway with this uh, the San Lorenzo thing and <laughs> yeah. yeah well exactly when you, when you hear something like that you wonder why Rivers fans are getting so nervous <laughs> about it don't you really yeah. um, it's going to take some real management there to arrange all that <laughs> yeah. quite astounding uh, Quilmes yesterday as well were held by Gimnasia La Plata 1-1 uh, uh, five sending offs apparently <laughs> yeah yeah it was a ridiculous match uh, there was a sending off in about the something like the 88th minute or thereabouts which was fully deserved not really controversial at all the guy you know took a while to leave the pitch he was arguing with the ref but he, he got off the pitch two minutes later there was a big pile up in the uh, Gymnasia penalty area and the Gymnasia goalkeeper one of their defenders at least one Kilmes player and I didn't see which, which team the other guy was from um, all got sent off at the same time it was hilarious Fernando Benigoy the referee uh, most entertaining to the game all, all, all five red cards were fully deserved there was nothing you know, about the referee losing control of the match or anything but it was it had been a pretty 
feisty match all the way through. I can't even remember why I was watching it, but I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting for because you present Hand of Pod. But I, I was I was bloody glad that I did watch it in the end because uh, it was rollicking entertainment. Uh, lots of blood all over the place in the first half, and um, and then a bit of mentalness in the last few minutes of the game, uh, right at the very end, just before. Arsenal Manus. Um, and we mentioned Kilmes because they're the, the other side who is basically going to be those four teams will be the ones who either get promoted automatically or go into the playoffs because fifth place um, let me know and see who that is in fifth Boko Nidos, Boko Nidos. Boko Nidos. Uh, eight points behind Kilmes now with, with four games to go so essentially a Kilmes win and a Boko Nidos loss in the next round let's say would all but push those I mean the Boko wouldn't be able to Boko Nidos wouldn't be able to finish above where they are at the moment um, it's almost a pity for them actually because they only came up this year didn't they uh, the no I've been out there a couple of years like, ok yeah silence um, <laughs> uh, this means generally I haven't got much to say in terms of the weekend just gone so I'm, I shall now put the microphone down um, we'll run over and get the computer and we'll answer a few of your lovely listeners questions so don't go anywhere We've got a few questions. We're going to start with one which um, Joel has asked us quite specifically to not refer to as a world exclusive. Um, Joel has got the questions on, on his iPhone, on the, the Twitter hashtag handoffpod. If, if you ever decide to recommend the podcast to anybody on Twitter, please use that hashtag because we're hoping to be a trending topic one day. Um, we'll probably need a few thousand more listeners, but anyway. Uh, Joel, take it away. Uh, I'm just trying to find this, the, the question again. I've lost it. Uh, it is... Are there or have there been? This, this is from. Let me have it all. Okay. Are there or have there been African players in the Argentine top flight, and how they done? Well, let me. It's a very good question, um, and we've managed to. I, I was going to try and say all this as if I just knew it. Ah, you bought I have to confess because it's a little bit out of date, and we managed to find an article um, on Cancha Chena, which is the La Nación sport website, published in 2009. Um, we'll get on to the reasons for that in a second uh, stating that as of uh, September 2009 seven players uh, for Argent- uh, played in Argentina from Africa previously the most famous is Alphonse Chami who played for Boca for about two years he played just under 50 games scored 11 goals including I think I'm right there he's the one um, he scored one against River which is the as you may be aware uh, Bocca's main rivals um, so he's very fondly remembered by, by Bocca's <laughs> fans just dumbed that down yeah well it's already niche enough I mean I think Ibrahim Sekagia uh, Chami was from Cameroon Ibrahim Sekagia was uh, another he played he was Ugandan is Ugandan um, and played for Atletico Rafaela and for Australian dance team as well for Ferro uh, both in the second division at the time um, that was I think also in the mid 90s although they've not put a date on this one um, oh no that was m- much more recently in fact he was sold in 2007 to Red Bull Salzburg 
uh, and is the current captain of the Uganda national team. Did you ever see him in action? No, no, I definitely didn't see him. Uh, he probably would have stood out on the pitch, I don't know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are not very many black players no, in that, Argentina, yeah. uh, which is why English Dan says that. It's not that Africans all walk around with a sign in, over their heads. Well, no. um, the next guy is, he, he also played for Ferro um, as from 1995 and is one of the reasons for why I love African football, his name so much. Um, a South African who, who's known as Dr. Theophilus Kumalo. Um, <laughs> Magnificent name. Uh, played uh, and, and scored against Independiente for Ferro in the first round of the 1995 <coughs> Clausura. Um, you, know you know that's just the English version of Theophila. <laughs> no, no, but it's the doctor. <laughs> that I'm Maybe he's a doctor, like. He, he could be, but yeah. I'd like to think that it's, it's the name, and it wouldn't entirely surprise me given <coughs> lots of other South African uh, footballers' names that I've seen on <laughs> Football Manager and Wikipedia and so on. It's one of my late night hobbies, yeah. just browsing Wikipedia for really I like to think they're all doctors. Like. Uh, he, he played four matches for Federal and then went to Columbus Crew in the US um, and retired in 2004. And the others, um, player from Malawi called Ernest Mutawali who played for Newell's Old Boys in 1995. Um, Cameroonian Tobie Mimbre played two matches, and it doesn't say which team, uh, in 1997, and then left for Paraguay. You can't, you can't catch them, you don't know which team they played for. No. La Nacion don't know which team they played for. Uh, and, and then left to, to an unspecified team in Paraguay. Um, <laughs> Obviously had a big impact. Yeah. What a mysterious young man. He came from somewhere, he played for someone, and then he left to go play for someone else. The, uh, I'm just to do this all the time, though. When, when, they, when they moved to a foreign league, he just goes, oh, I just went to Mexican football. Or yeah. Yeah. The, the club's never specified. Um, goalkeeper David Chabala from Zambia, who played very briefly, it says here, for Argentinos Juniors in 1991-92. Um, and one year later was killed in an aeroplane accident. Um, he, he was one of the... the um, Zambian players who mm-hmm. was killed in the, yeah. the air crash in '93, in fact. Um, and the most famous, or, or at least the one that, that English listeners are most likely to have heard of, is Nee Lamptey, um, who played for Aston Villa and Coventry City and then moved to Union de Santa Fe, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> and then went through a load of other clubs. Um, after that, Lamptey was here in, uh, oh, it doesn't say, the, oh, in 1997. Um, so those are the main ones, and Joel is now going to fill us in on a couple of slightly more recent ones. Yeah, there was um, Felix Orode, who was, who's, this article, we should say, is, uh, was published in La Nacion on the day that he made his, his debut. Exactly, so he's a Nigerian uh, attacking midfielder who was brought over and he went to San Lorenzo, obviously one of the, the five grandes in Argentina, so a great move for him. And his agent felt that it was going to be a massive cultural change for him, which obviously it was going to be. So essentially they brought over a friend, but it was said to be a player of a similar sort of level. Um, and so they had, the two of them were, were training with San Lorenzo and, and they were living together. And and I met, uh, I didn't met, meet Felix, but I met the other one uh, who's called Uwanu Evans. Um, and he, and Evans is... fantastic. Man. Evans is, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I met him when he was playing in like, the fourth division in Cambaceres, tiny little club in La Plata. Basically he was... He was just telling me he was brought over uh, by this agent to, to keep Felix Orode company. Mm-hmm. Um, Felix was moved. He didn't didn't stay at San Lorenzo for very long. I'm not sure if he played even if he even ran out for the first team. But moved down south to Patagonia, down to uh, Comodoro and Rivadavia, and 
and his says his roommate uh, Evans moved to La Plata, but essentially because he he wasn't he didn't have a work permit, so he wasn't legally allowed to play. So he was training with like a fourth division Argentine club in La Plata, and wasn't didn't have anyone taking care of him at all. And he said that his agent just completely left him alone, just forgot about him, was, and was impossible to contact as well. And then there's another player who, which goes back to the Arsenal story that we we're talking about, because that's. Was, uh, I asked uh, Alfaro about this other player who's called Alusha Fatai, who's in the Arsenal reserve side, Nigerian attacking midfielder. Again, he's, he's, he's a very good player. I saw him a few times. Uh, but he, again, he's in the Arsenal reserve side. I'm not sure what his legal status is, but it's essentially what we've got is a group of Nigerian footballers coming over here and uh, not in very clear circumstances because they haven't got contracts. I'm not sure if they're registered at AFA. Felix Orodi is, but then Fata is, isn't. <laughs> so it's just all, it's, it's a little bit of a strange story. It comes from essentially Felix getting this contract offer at San Lorenzo, obviously through investment groups and what have you. Um, not doing badly. I mean, Felix is, is, pl- is playing a lot in the B Nacional, I think, um, in, in that so in the second division. What's, what's the name of the team he plays for? It's Kai. C-I-I. Yeah, Kai. CIA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, it's just a very strange situation there. Well, what does Felix think about his mate who's just been abandoned? Well, this is the thing as well because they, they get the offer and they haven't got anything. So they they you know if they get a contract offer, see each man for themselves, mm-hmm. really because they've gone and I mean they haven't even got a way of, of leaving the country or no. they haven't got any money. They're not they're legally they're not um, they're not here. I suppose they're here as tourists. Yeah. But uh, again, it's that's a very Cloudy area, if you like. So um, all of us on Hannapod, of course, deplore anyone who comes over on a tourist visa and works. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, but these are you know guys coming over to play professional football and uh, and essentially having to do other jobs to keep themselves going while they're training, playing sort of semi-professional football, if you like. Um, And again, it's uh, it's it's a very strange. Situation, you know. It's quite a common one, uh, not just for African footballers, but I mean, I, I know personally know like four or five Colombians who are here mm. having had that precisely that happen to them mm. they're, they're promised mm-hmm. trials they get here they go on trial with a, a bunch of people uh, the, the doorman at Gibraltar is a Colombian guy he's, he's 22 he came over did trials with San Lorenzo Godoy Cruz Vélez Huracan um, River and Estudiantes or Gimnasia mm-hmm. didn't get into any of them and then his agent just went off you go um, wow. A couple of the kids that he came on trial with, like one guy who I got to know completely separately from him uh, during the first year that I was here, two, two years ago, um, who was 16 then, still be 18 now, is now uh, in the youth divisions at River. Um, but he also, when I met him, he, he, he'd come over and already had trials at about five clubs and hadn't got in. And if you don't get into one, the agent just yeah. leaves you. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to pay your fight home or anything. Like. No. Yeah. no, of course, if, if you're South American and it happens to you, you've got maybe one less problem at least, at least you already speak Spanish um, and being in Argentina. But to some, some of the guys who are coming over from, from other places, you can't help feeling well, sorry for them. Well, I then saw on, on Facebook Evans, who was at Cambaceres down in La Plata in the fourth division club, um, and he was, he, when I spoke to him, he said, Can you help me? Do you know anyone that can. Mm be my agent or, or that can help my situation here you know made a couple of calls and it was very few people obviously wanted to get involved but someone tagged in Facebook in the audience of what's it called Soñando para bailar what's it this that's just the Argentine version of dancing uh, no, it, like the qualifiers the qualifiers for the yeah, exactly. dancing with the stars <laughs> yeah so he was in the audience so I wonder now whether he's basically 
obviously football isn't earning any money. He's not getting you know, nothing's happening there. So I wonder whether they're kind of trying to move him into to that show business. That sort of afternoon chat show just scene where uh, no idea so I remember there was another story about that as well on one of these programs like I don't know if it was Soñando por Bailar or Bailando por un sueño <laughs> it basically means exactly the same thing dreaming to dance or dancing to dream but it was de- there was a, definitely a case of that like um, it was an African guy who'd come over and he was a regular dancer on this show and I don't think he was a footballer as well but he basically got cast adrift when he didn't get a regular role on the <laughs> on the show he was like he knew Tinelli and these kind mm. of people and then thought no no we're not going to give you a permanent cr- contract so nothing okay. and I think now he's in Uruguay I read it in one no, of these kind of Uruguay farandula like showbiz magazines mm. and he's a bit kind of lost I was half expecting you to say decided to take up football to make ends meet <laughs> he's just yeah he started playing for Racing just to make ends meet yeah <laughs> he'll probably get a game for them at the moment. yeah I'm sure <laughs> right to see what I'll do and see yeah uh, Next question, am I going to read these off the computer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Ohio Guna, whose Twitter handle is Ohio Guna, asks um, how we see Bocca's stadium move impacting the club when it, in inverted commas, sanitised the fan base. <laughs> and, um, and also what effect will it have on the really close sphere of Labo Monero. Um, this has been mooted for a few years, but yeah. it's starting to get a bit more... Yeah, I think at one point, at what like one project I've I'd heard at one point is that they were going to move to um, share ground with Ferro and all this kind of thing, but I don't know. I haven't yeah. heard much of this new. No, project the idea is because um, Ancelotti was on was in Europe last week, I think, if not two weeks ago, and he met with some investors from the Middle East, mm. and and it, the it's outlined for the 2015-2016 season. They're going to move, I mean literally one kilometre from the Bombonera, which is where they have Casa Marisa, which is where it was the youth team uh, residency for, for a number of years. Uh, they're going to knock down Casa Marisa and build this 75,000 capacity stadium, which... That's uh, like a would, kilometre, that's... It's maybe... Bit, blocks away, yeah, it? maybe less, maybe less, exactly. So, so it's right next to the Bombonera. The idea is that the Bombonera will stay and that it will be used for concerts and, hmm. and various other... Um, well, you can ten- find a rock band to take all of their stuff down to... Down to oh, yeah. later. No, later. we get a few yeah. in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah. Davis Cup maybe played there, for example, um, but the Bombonera will stay but not be used for football. Uh, personal opinion, 75,000 Boca fans in the stadium... Yeah, amazing, amazing atmosphere. A shame to, to lose that Bombonera atmosphere because it's so unique and yeah. so it's such a. Uh, you'd, you'd have to assume that they're also fully aware of this. That they're aware that, for instance, there are other stadia in Argentina which have, uh, to pluck an example out of thin air, moats or running tracks around the pitch, um, such as a River Plate. Um, Boca are going to be aware that at least some of the, the atmosphere is generated by the fact that they stand so close to the pitch and you would think that any new stadium well, is going to take that into account. The model is, is La Plata, right? And, and that is a, yeah. that's a fantastic atmosphere. The game, uh, the not as sort the pitch out. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. But, uh, and, and that's the problem of the architecture, in fact. Yeah. But, uh, but the games I've seen there uh, were fantastic atmospheres, you know, because it's... it's you've got the roof and you've got the... Exactly, exactly. Um, so I'm sure... Yeah, and as you say... Plus with the wrestling stadium as well, like, yeah. the fans do stand a bit away from the pitch and there's never been kind of a yeah, atmosphere there you know yeah. no the fact that Boca can obviously be getting a lot more people to every single game uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge thing well their the gate at the moment they're breaking records for the in the Copa Libertadores at about 5 million pesos they've done it twice they've broken their, their own record twice this season which is a shade which over is 1 million dollars exactly just over 1 million dollars so I mean if they can bring in 20,000 people more plus with all the you know, suites for businesses and what have you yeah I mean they could 
push 1.5 if not 2 yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure at this, at this new stadium so for the club it's but you think for a regular league game they'll, they'll be filling it filling it absolutely well they had to stop socios they couldn't be as it is, yes. They're allowed to almost yeah. every week. No, I'm just saying, you know, for, say 40,000 now to 75,000 is a big jump. Like, well, sure, but that's. For, you know, <coughs> talking about, you know, say. The river of, of Pat Lassar Stadium every week in the second division so far. Bocker are as big a club, allegedly. Um, <laughs> well, we've well, as many people sticky, I mean, see the two. For, for a number of years, Bocker couldn't take on any new members right. because they couldn't. They couldn't fit any more members into the uh, mm. into the ground. In Argentina, if you remember, you automatically get access to, to all the home games. Uh, recently, they brought in this new um, Socio Alerinde, which is kind of like a half member where you can kind of get priority in tickets if they're only left over. And I mean, they immediately signed up with twenty thousand yeah. new fans. So, as and when this new stadium, if it does happen, um, is built and, and, and takes off, they'll fill it. I'm, I'm yeah. no doubt they'll they'll fill it. Yeah. Uh, what do we think it will do? He also asks whether whether we think it will sanitise the fan base. I would assume no. that that's going to be what making it easier to police and whether the less desirable elements. Of I think what it might make is what we were talking about whether whether the atmosphere will be slightly I don't know, diluted. But no, we we already entered that. I don't think yeah. it will be. I can't see no. I can't see by it being sanitised or it losing atmosphere. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, next question from Mateo Smith, whose Twitter handle is Viajero Mateo. Uh, Traveller Matteo in English um, as, uh, taking it to the other side of, of Argentina's most famous footballing divide if River do indeed get promoted what changes should or will they make to adjust to life in the first division they need a left, left side of midfielder they need um, probably left back and another right midfielder I'd say depends who leaves looks yeah. like Jory Dominguez is definitely leaving Cavanaghi and Trezeguet should stay Cavanaghi's a difficult one because it's, there's a lot of politics going on about whether he's going to stay or not but yeah. people have said they yeah. want him to stay so and you've got youngsters like uh, Ocampos and Cerigliano who've been exactly. heavily yeah. linked with Mesa yeah. so they would be big losses I think yeah. if they did leave Saviola and Oraima possibly coming back we've seen they're both very difficult to bring back because they both got contracts. Aymar was discussing contracts with the MLS yeah. last week, and the River also need a, um, a playmaker. Alessandro Dapiero, he's been linked. Drogba was another one, right? It was, linked. <laughs> <laughs> it was denied that he was yeah. coming, right? David Trezeguet apparently has had a chat with Alessandro Dapiero to try and get him to, which is if they want some. No, uh, uh, no, no, to be fair to Trezeguet, he said it, it, that's not happening. But what he did do is say Cameron is it's happening. Yeah, that's. Kind of very, seems and, like uh, it's been advanced. Really. Enzo Perez is another one that's supposed to be going. Mm. Yeah, from the Estudiantes, that would be a. He's a very yeah, well, he, yeah, wide, uh, wide player. He's not in the midfield at all. No, he's he's a fantastic midfielder. Yeah. And, and the deal is that the, the rumour here was that uh, Benfica are fed up with Enzo Perez mm-hmm. messing about and kind of not fitting in in Portugal. Mm. So they're happy to loan him out and that he would be a make weight plus cash for the striker, um, Funes Mori, which. He's not one of the most favourite. Sanders uh, did a leap for joy there. Yeah, exactly. Kind of. I, I think he's a player who's got potential. Yeah. He's, he's he needs to get away from River Plate because he's not given a second of leeway at River Plate. I uh, agree with that. Well, he, was given about, he was given about nine months of leeway before he, before he was dropped. So. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say he's not. I'd say oh, he's sure, given from, two from months. The fans and the press. Then, yeah, I mean from the fans. I, I, I'm the first person they, to say they they that they booed. I do actually have some sympathy with him. He gets the ball. He gets booed in River. But that was after nine months of not scoring. I, I agree with you. I, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I don't think he's a bad buy at all for, for a European club. I think he will yeah. become quite a good player. But 
He did get that. I, I, see him as, I see him as a Maxi Lopez. A Maxi Lopez is at Milan. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it will take his time, but I think he's, he's, got, he's got all the right attributes to, to do well. And anyway, you were talking about, yeah, so yeah. if they can bring in like white players, Enzo Perez and Camaro Nese, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I know one of the, I'm wondering yeah. with, with uh, obviously, with Chori Domingos either going back to Valencia and being given another go or going elsewhere. Um, is that makes it really important about whether or not Cesar Gonzalez stays because when he's come in for Chori recently uh, the Venezuelan playmaker he's, mm. he's been superb in both the Copa Argentina and in the league as well he's such a funny one because if everyone's saying oh you know Passarella brings players like, like this guy this, this Venezuelan I mean who's he he was brilliant for Venezuela yeah. at Copa America <laughs> and he never got a chance at River Plate and then Ocampos needed yeah. a break and, and Cesar Gonzalez so came in him, didn't he? and it was fantastic yeah yeah, this is a guy whose first choice for Venezuela is a really player. good player. Um, he is he's seen as a, a, a player that uh, for Angel Capa, which is where again part of the mm. the argument against him is that he was at Gimnasia and Huracan with with Angel Capa. Uh, but, but he's an excellent player. I, I, I'm not sure when his contract is is up. I'm, I think he's on a one one season yeah. uh, loan deal. So we we'll have to have to see if he if he stays or not. Uh, next question from Heskey Stats. Um, asks what do Argentinians think of Emil Heskey and who is the Argentine equivalent of him um, God. Uh, most Argentines if they, if they follow a certain amount of European football and they meet somebody English they may be able to pull his name out of the recess I would say most, oh, yeah. 99.98% of Argentines don't know he exists yeah. even yeah. football yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, do we have an Argentine equivalent I was saying I'd like to nominate Pablo Gabachero of Racing who's a very similar player and yeah it kind of says it all pretty timid in front of goal and, uh-huh. yeah. but you know he's, he can head a ball I guess it's about as much you can say for him that's as much as I can say excellent um, I'm struggling to find players with the bills yeah. I think that's the main thing I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking maybe uh, Mauro Pavone, uh, Mariano Pavone certainly when he was with River and not scoring so much mm. but doing a lot of yeah. running and yeah. hard work for the rest of the and team and always looking for the, the chucky always going for the you know the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm being widely and undeservedly what about uh, criticised from all quarters as well full minute full minute more maybe that's not a bad call yeah. you know. he's not because quite got the physique he's got a bit of fill uh, he's a big, big he, he needs to fill out a little bit but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but in terms of, you're right actually in terms of a player who's, who's every now and then produced a bit of magic mm. and then uh, this, you know, this, this is going to be extremely harsh and, and shout it down but um, Gonzalo Higuain for the national team <laughs> even though he, he, no. <laughs> what no, no, I'm no. talking about when you you've got no, that's got to be a week's suspension <laughs> yeah you can't say that kind of thing even though he's probably going to end up as one of the, the all time top scorers from the Argentina national <laughs> and team he never will for England no but I mean he's the guy that when when he comes like when he's not used when you use Aguero or Messi or something like that and then Higuain comes on the team suddenly looks better, even if Iwain is not scoring. That's not Heskey, though. Well, that's the, re- <laughs> that's the reason for Heskey's existence is, is that he's, a, he's somebody to he's a target man. He's somebody yeah. to hold. The I, play know, up. I mean, Eng- England often played better when Heskey was on yeah. the pitch when yeah. he was at his peak, even if he wasn't scoring goals. Well, no, and you see that happen with Iwain. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even you know take myself seriously. Nah. Yeah. But you usually see that happen with Iwain when he comes on. Like sometimes uh, Argentina's having seventy percent possession and they can't break, but then Iwain comes on and he offers somebody to. You know, like somebody to lump the ball forward to and, and bring the other guys into. But Higuain's got a fantastic scoring record for Argentina. He does. So he, he also like does. Twenty-three yeah. and twenty-eight. Yeah. Like that, like. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he's had more games than that, but he's yeah, obviously Higuain yeah. is a he's like Hesky, but he, he scores goals. So. <laughs> that was my. Uh, wait, I knew before I said that that it was yeah, <laughs> I was going to get. 
A couple more very quick ones um, before we wrap up. We've got Shivam, whose Twitter is Shivam, S H I V A M L M. Asks if Argentina were in the Euros, how do you think they would do? I think they'd lose to Germany in the semi final. Oh, I was <laughs> going to say semi finalists under Sabella, at least if he asked the month beforehand to, to keep the rasters in to get semis at least, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. about right. Last four. Yeah. yeah. With, the, with the talent of, of squad that they've got. Yeah. Um, we've had coming at a tail update from Phil C. Carney. We've, we've done that one for you already. Uh, Scott Monroe, Scott with 1TM87 on Twitter says. Are Boca real contenders for the Clausura after Sunday's win at Racing? Um, given that there are four games to go and that they're one point clear at the top of the table, I think we can say they are. Yeah, um, it does depend on. They've clearly got the on the Libertadores. But yeah, I think we can call them contenders safely. Though. Oh, contenders! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. The the final question uh, for one for our Australian listeners: Victory in Melbourne, whose Twitter um, unfortunately is that name is his block name is too long for Twitter's. Restrictions. So I think his Twitter handle is just victory in Mel. Asks specifically to Australian Dan, who's going to win State of Origin? The greatest sporting contest in the world, State of Origin. Um, <laughs> so like, as, as the, the three English amongst us have never heard of it. Yeah, so. I've heard of it. No, I've heard of it. State of Origin, right? Uh, so in Australia, this is in. I'll try and explain it in two minutes. One minute. Uh, in Australia, in Queensland and New South Wales, the most popular sport is rugby league, and. Uh, Back in the day, there used to be a Queensland competition and a New South Wales competition, and the best teams from those competitions would play each other once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, New South Wales competition had more money, so all the players, all the Queensland players, would go and play there, and so they'd be playing for New South Wales against Queensland. One year, I think it was 1981, they decided that they were going to they were going to have a one-off, uh, and whichever state you were born in, that's who you'd play for. Brilliant. So it was Queensland versus New South Wales, state of origin. Um, guys started punching their teammates at club level and it just turned into like <laughs> the best thing that anyone had ever seen so after that they started playing three a year every single year halfway through the season uh, and it's like the it's bigger than international rugby league it's bigger than club rugby league like whoever wins the state of origin is more important than who wins the grand final um, it's, it's mate against mate state against state and uh, <laughs> happens three times a year how long have we been waiting to use that phrase on the book? I think it's just been loaded in the barrel. For I, think, but I, I think we may have found an idea that we can sell to the outlet for the next year's television next year. That would be awesome. Well, somebody was asking on... Buenos Aires province against the rest of the country. Well, somebody was asking on... Uh, talking about like the, the Catalonia team. Uh, which regions in the world would produce the best football teams? Uh, and yeah. I think yeah. Rosario has a really good shot if you took Vanega, uh, Messi, uh, Di Maria, Di Maria yeah. like you could make a, a really decent team. Bielsa coaching. Scali. <laughs> Bielsa coaching. <laughs> uh, anyway, the, uh, who do I think will win? Queensland's won in the last five or six years in a row, and I think they'll win. Yeah. How come he's, he's called it his state of origin one? Well, they played three every year. State of origin one uh, is, this, yeah. is this Wednesday. Right. So it's not like the Super Bowl where it's. No, it's like <laughs> no, it's been going since about 1981, I think. So this is, yeah. And then for, for years and years, it's been like dead level. Like Queensland would have won 34, New South Wales 33, kind of thing. You know, a couple of draws, 12 series each, sort of stuff. But at that, yeah, for the biggest Queensland's won in the last few years in a row. They've they've gone ahead. But. Excellent. Uh, better Australian rugby league analysis than any other <laughs> podcast will give you. Um, and now. We're going to give Australian Dan even more of a chance to make a fool of himself with predictions by playing his theme music in, and we'll come right back to you in a minute with Mystic Dan.
take them uh, for a, a weekend that's going to be key to the, the title race and the relegation battle. Take it away. And this is the part I think most people uh, mute for Handelpod, uh, <laughs> listen to on mute. Uh, I'm going for San Martin de San Juan to beat Olimpo, Argentinos to beat Banfield, Always to win away to Lanús, Belgrano to beat Racing, Tigre to win away to Rafaela, San Lorenzo and Newells to draw, Independiente Unión to draw, Boca to beat Godoy Cruz, Estudiantes and Arsenal to draw, and Colón to beat Vélez. So those results would leave Boca top of the table still. Um, stretching their lead. Oh no, they'd still be only one point ahead of Tigre. They'd leave Tigre outside all of the relegation business. Uh-huh. Uh, they might <coughs> see San Martin leave Yeah, I think actually those results might see San Lorenzo end up in the direct relegation spot as well mm-hmm. if San Martin win against Olimpo. Um, and they would also see Olimpo relegated, of course. Olimpo need to win all of their remaining matches uh, to stand a chance of staying up. Um, so those are the, the scores to bet your house on this coming weekend. Uh, anything else to cover, guys, before we wrap up? No, I think no. so. Nobody wants to add anything, then we'll say goodbye from now. Uh, from Australian now. Bye bye. Goodbye from English now. Good night. Goodbye from our guest, Joel Richards. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>